This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Now, the half hour, I'll be playing a show that starred a married couple, and I'll share some details of how that show was recorded, both rehearsals and presentations, so forth. I think you'll find rather interesting. But let's get to our first show tonight, The Six Shooter, starring James Stewart, who starred as Britt Ponsett, a drifting cowboy in the final years of the Wild West. And Jimmy Stewart was right in character as the slow-talking maverick who usually blundered into other people's troubles and sometimes shot his way out. Let's give the episode a pressing engagement to listen right now. James Stewart as the six-shooter. The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. Its handle unmarked. People call them both the six-shooter. The NBC radio network presents James Stewart as the six-shooter, a transcribed series of radio dramas based on the life of Britt Ponson, the Texas plainsman who wandered through the western territories, leaving behind a trail of still-remembered legends. About the last place I expected to be that Tuesday was the town of Powder Creek. The Double G Ranch where I'd been working was clear on the other side of the territory, and neither oh, about 200 miles away. But when Sam Griffith, he's the owner of the Double G, when Sam got a chance to buy off Forrest Trench Herd, he sent me over to close the deal. So the next thing I knew, I was walking down the main street on my way to the bank where I was supposed to meet Trent. Hey, well, it sure was a nice day. Kind of Indian summer-like. A lot warmer than it had a right to be in October. The sun had fooled the maple trees into thinking it was spring. A couple of them beside the Civil War cannon in the square were even starting to bud. The two fellas sitting underneath it playing checkers in their shirt sleeves, eh? Well, it looked like the sun had fooled them, too. <laughs> Howdy. Just a minute, mister. Just a minute till I make this move. There. That ought to hold you, Jonah. Mm. Now, uh, what was it you wanted, mister? Oh, I didn't want anything. I just said howdy, that's all. Oh, howdy. Well, speak to the man, Jonah. He spoke to us. It's my move now. I'll do my talking afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Howdy. Ah, it's a nice day. Yeah. Well, so long. Uh, hold up there a minute, son. Hmm? Hey. See that gun of his, John? Mm, yep. 
You, uh, you ain't Brett Ponsett, the six-shooter. My name's Ponsett, yeah. You hear that, Jonah? He's Brett Ponsett. Yeah. And we was kind of wondering when you was going to show up, Mr. Ponsett. Been expecting you for the last month or so. What's that? Yeah, when you're going to jump, you got to take it. That's the rule. All right, all right, yep. Jonah. All right, I know the rule. Well, we'll take it then, take it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> there. You satisfied? Yeah. You, you, you said something about expecting oh, me. Oh, sure. To... Ever since we heard the news, congratulations. Why? He said congratulations. Now let's get on with the game. All right. Mm. Sure moving. Yeah, how in thunder should I know? All this chattering going on. Well, I don't like to keep you interrupting, but mm. I wonder if you would mind explaining just what you meant by... by... Jonah's trying to think. Yeah, I know, but what I... I don't I... want him to claim I beat him because we kept him from concentrating. No, 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 of course not. No, no, I... I... <laughs> Well, I knew that the Trent cattle would turn out to be good stock. The Double G was lucky to be buying them. But since they weren't going to belong to me, I couldn't see why congratulations were in order. Unless folks in Powder Creek had heard wrong, unless they thought I was outfitting a ranch of my own. And I started to explain things to the fellows playing checkers, but they shushed me again, good, good and loud this time. So I gave up and went on town toward the bank. I was just passing by the newspaper office when I bumped into Quint Todd. He was editor of the Powder Creek Press, a weekly newspaper. Matter of fact, he was more than just an editor. Quint Todd retired in the last six or seven years, and he was putting out the paper practically single-handed. Good afternoon, Quint. Huh? Yeah. Oh, that's you, Ponset. So you finally got here, huh? Well, I'm here, if that's what you mean. I didn't realize folks were so anxious about me. Some of us are anxious, maybe. Some of us ain't. Ah. Uh, what, are you, you upset about something, Quinn? Why should I be upset? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. If the things are all right, aren't they? I mean, with the paper. Paper's fine. I'll save you the next issue so you can see your name in print. See, my... Well, I sure can't think of any reason why you'd be writing about me. It's customary, ain't it? What? It's customary to write about the groom. The groom? The what? what? I'm busy now, Ponsett. I got a story to run down. Well, Quint, no, well, I listen hope you'll to... be real happy. Both of you. No, but Quint, hey, hey, for Pete's sake, Quint, wait, Quint! Well, he'd lost his senses. That's the only explanation of that. Quint Todd had just plain lost his senses. That Me being a groom. Me? And who in the Sam Hill did he think I was going to marry? How... I hadn't even been keeping company. Not that I have anything against marriage, you understand. I, like people say, it's an institution, a, a noble institution. Why, some of my best friends are married. And I, I suppose someday, not right away, of course, not very soon, but someday, maybe I'll... Well, I... Hello, Britt. How's on my way to meet you? Huh? huh? What's the matter? You look like you just fell off a bronc. Oh, hello, Trent. I uh, guess I was kind of preoccupied. I was thinking about something. <laughs> I reckon we shouldn't expect you to have all your faculties in good working order. <laughs> Not at a time like this, huh? Huh? What? <laughs> oh, sure was a surprise. Never thought I'd see the day when some woman would put a saddle on you. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, we better get over to the bank. I told Mr. Frederick we'd be there uh, by three about... Uh, he's drawing up the papers. Sure, sure. Uh, uh, Trent. Yeah? Now, about 
to me getting married. The fact of the matter is, I... Oh, Fred, you know I was just joshing with that saddle tall. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I well, know, I know. Truth, but... It's high time you did put down some roots. Maybe so. Maybe yes, so, sir. Yes, you I... just wait till you got a family of your own. Why, you'll be a different man. Well, that's possible. That's possible, Trent. Uh, but just where did everybody get the notion that I was almost well, ready to... Now, you didn't think you could keep it a secret, did a you? A secret? <laughs> well, you ought to know many better than that. Many? <laughs> yeah, that's who told me. Well, of course, there'd been rumors going around for several weeks, but until I heard it from Minnie herself... Oh, wait, wait, hold on here. You mean Minnie Flint? Well, who else would I mean? It's her niece you're marrying, ain't it? What are you acting so strange about? Uh, look, uh, look, now, I just want to get this straight. Minnie Flint told you I was marrying her niece? Well, she told everybody. I say. Well, now, Britt, I, I know how a man feels when he's getting ready to jump overboard. <laughs> I felt the same way myself, sort of awkward and embarrassed. Well, be that as <laughs> you it may. folks didn't know about it so they wouldn't poke fun the way they always do. <laughs> uh, but you can't blame Minnie for spreading the news. Well, I sure do blame her. Well, now, Britt, Minnie's been like a mother to hell and raised her since she was a baby. Well, Helen ain't never had no folks of her own. I know that. I know that. Well, then, you shouldn't mind Minnie being proud. Why shouldn't she do a little bragging, huh? Well, of course. Uh, the women folks around here seem to think you're quite a catch. Oh, now, listen, Diane. Now, Trent, well, let me tell you something. Here's the bank. I suppose that you'll want to get this business done with Pato so you can get straight over to Minnie's place, huh, Rip? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I w- would like to get over to Minnie's. I'm coming. Just a minute, I'm coming. Miss. <gasps> you mind if I come in, Manny? Why, uh, well... Excuse me. Thanks. It's sure nice to see you, Brett. I... I didn't have any idea you were in Potter Creek. I didn't have any idea at all. Uh-huh. You're, uh, you're just passing through, ain't you? You're not staying. Uh, some folks seem to think I am. I at least long enough to get married. Oh, you've heard. Well, so is everybody else, as far as I can tell. Your announcement of my engagement seems to have blanketed the whole town. Now, Britt, I can explain. Well, that's why I'm here. Why don't you just sit down over there on the sofa? I've got some oatmeal cookies out in the kitchen. I just made them this morning. Minnie? Yes? You just uh, can forget about the cookies. I really don't have much of an appetite. Oh. Well. I'm waiting, men. Well, uh, you see, Britt, I only did it for Helen. Now, she's a fine girl, and well, I, I wanted to help her out. Oh. On account of Quint. Quint Todd. They've been going together for nearly six years now, but he just never seemed to get around to asking her to marry him. Well, he must have his reasons. A man usually does. Oh, it's because of his father. You see, Quint's been taking care of old man Todd ever since he retired. And it must cost money, him being so sickly all the time. Uh Uh-huh. But Quint could have married her. Helen don't expect a lot of fancy clothes in a fine house. She's the practical type. Uh, just just what has this got to do with me? Uh... Well, I, I had an idea. I thought if maybe there was somebody else, if Clint believed Helen was interested in another man, well, maybe he'd come to his senses and take the bull by the horns and uh, marry her himself. Uh, you've been 
sort of using me as a decoy. Is that uh, the idea? I knew you was working for the Double G. It didn't seem likely you'd be showing up in these parts. Uh, not for the time being, anyhow. And afterward, well, after Quentin Helen tied the knot, then it wouldn't matter. Well, you ought to be ashamed of yourself, men, both you and Helen. You don't think she knew about it? She didn't? Of course not. I didn't dare tell her. Why, she'd have never stood for it. Well, then how on earth did you manage to convince her that I was, uh, that I was uh, interested? I've got a sister living over in Black Mountain. Uh, that's not far from the double G. No, but what I mean is, how did you ever... Well, I... Hmm? There were some letters, and asked her to post them for me. They were... Uh, they were love letters. But I sort of changed my handwriting and uh, signed your name. Manny Flint. Uh, I guess you might as well know the rest, too. When Helen answered them, when she wrote back to you, well, I kind of saw to it that her answers never got mailed. Well, I just don't know what to say. Oh, I never dreamed it'd go I this just... far, Britt. I was sure Quint would start talking serious when he first found out that you and Helen were corresponding, but he didn't. And then, well, I thought maybe if you're... Letters got a little more uh, sincere. Uh, well, maybe that would make him jealous. I left him around where he couldn't help seeing them whenever he come calling. You didn't actually propose in my name. Oh no, well. Brent. Well, uh, n- not in so many words, right. but reading between the lines. Well, that's how Helen took it. She wrote you her answer two weeks ago. She wrote yes. What? Your uh, your letters were mighty convincing. Well, then you better start figuring out some way of unconvincing her. Well, I don't know. Maybe... Look, look men, now, Helen's got to know the truth. And if you won't do it, well, I'll just have to tell her all about it myself. Because... Oh, Constantine, I guess maybe you can... Oh. Well, you're here already. Hello, Helen. Oh, my goodness. Sure is good to see you, Brett. You're, you're looking fine. I saw you, Helen. I saw you. I, I wish I'd known you were coming. I wouldn't have been out doing the marketing. No, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Oh, Fred, I just got to tell you. Maybe I shouldn't say it right out like this, but however, since I was a little girl, I've looked up to you so. I, it just seemed to me you were the finest man that ever came through Powder Creek. Now, now, Helen. Uh... I, I never guessed that someday... Well, that you and I... Oh, Britt, I'm so happy about it. Excited and happy. I just hope you're as pleased as I am. Are you, Britt? Uh, 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 sure, uh, Helen. Uh, sure. Sure. return to James Stewart as the six-shooter in just a moment. Every man and woman in the armed forces will tell you the only call that takes precedence over mess is mail call. And when a letter is more important to a hungry G.I. than food, you know it means something. And the truce in Korea is no reason why we should stop writing letters to our men and women in service, whether in U.S. camps or overseas. Mail from home is just as important now as it ever was. 
Oh, yes, and be sure to mail your soldier's Christmas packages this week. In that way, you'll be sure he'll receive them in time to make his Christmas away from home a little more cheerful. Now, Act Two of The Six Shooter, starring James Stewart as Britt Ponsett. There just wasn't anything else to say. There just wasn't. I couldn't tell Helen that I'd never really thought about her in a marrying way. And besides, many, she caused all the trouble. It was, his, it was her place to set things right. Min didn't open her mouth. No, she just stood there staring at us through her bifocals, real pleased with herself. Well, the next thing that happened was Helen invited me to supper. Oh, boy, I sure didn't want to accept all I wanted to do was just get out of the house and get out of Powder Creek, too. But, but what I wanted to do and what I did were two different things. I went back to the hotel where I was stopping, changed my shirt, and I rode out to Minnie's again. I guess Britt doesn't like my cooking at Minnie's. Hardly eating a thing. Oh, it's not that, Helen. Everything is fine. I, I had a pretty big dinner at noon, and it uh, kind of stayed with me. More coffee, Britt. No, no thanks, man. You'll have to tell me your favorite food, Britt, so I'll know what to fix after. I, uh, well, I sort of like most everything. Apple pie, I bet. Most men like apple pie. Why, whenever Quentin and I went... Oh. Uh, speaking of Quint, I ran into him today. I'd just as soon not discuss him. Always always seemed to me to be an awful nice sort of a fella. Quint. Please, Britt. Oh, 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 sorry. Well, <clears throat> I'll just rid up the table. Oh, here. Here, let me help No, you. no, no. I can manage. Besides, you two have lots of things to talk over. Well, all right. Real warm night for this time of year. Moon, too. A harvest moon. Oh? I... I hadn't noticed. We ain't taken down the porch swing yet, Britt. Oh, that's all. It uh, might be kind of nice to sit outside for a spell. Well, whatever you say, Helen. Whatever you say. Sure, you're not too cold out here. Oh no, uh-huh. no, I'm fine. Besides, if I do get chilly, you could sort of. <coughs> Helen. Yes. Uh, <coughs> Helen, uh, about, about us getting married, uh, we uh, we may not be able to have the wedding right away. Oh. Uh, well, you see, over at the Double G where I'm working, there's no place we could live. What? You you wrote me you had a cabin all to yourself. I did. And you said it would fix up real easy, that there'd be plenty of room for both of us. Well, it would. It would have fixed up easy, Helen. But last week, there was a kind of a fire, and that cabin just burned right down to the ground. Oh, I see. There's nothing left of it now but just a few ashes. And that's one of the reasons I came over here to Powder Creek to explain about us having to postpone the ceremony, you see. 
Well, you don't have to stay at the Double G, do you? Yes, I do. Yes, yes, I do. I, I signed up for all of next year. Don't have any choice, so maybe maybe we ought to not be formally promised. I mean, if somebody else came along, I wouldn't blame you not for waiting. Britt, there won't be anybody else. Oh, you never know. You, you never and, know. And, and a year isn't very long to wait. A year isn't long at all. No, no, I guess not, but just in case. Wait a just... minute. I've got an idea. We don't have to wait. Hey. We hey. can be married right away before you go back to the double G. Then afterward, I can stay on with that men. There'd be times when we could be together, when when you come over to Powder Creek for a week or so, like now. I never thought of that. You... You don't seem very anxious, Britt. From the sound of your letters, I thought you wanted to get married. Right oh, now. sure. Oh, sure. That's... It's just... I... Oh. Oh! Well! Well, looks like somebody's riding up this way. Why, it's Quint. Quint Todd. Oh, Oh! I'm going in the house, Britt. I don't want to talk to him. Oh, now, well, I, I thought you and Quint used to be pretty good friends. Yeah, that's be... all we were, just friends. He didn't mean anything to me, not really. Oh, well, you sure start running every time the name's mentioned. I'm you? not running. Oh, all right, I'll stay. Yeah, well, oh, evening, Quint. Hello, Ponsett. Helen. Good evening. You left word at the press office you wanted to see me. I left word. Uh, no, no, he means me, Helen. What? Uh, well, I figured he'd want to get the details on our plans. The paper comes out tomorrow, doesn't it? That's right. Yeah, well, I... I just want to tell you, you couldn't have come at a better time. You see, we just finished settling things. The ceremony's going to be this week. Haven't decided on a day yet. How's Friday, Helen? Oh, well, well yes, yes. The sooner the better. The sooner the better. Yeah, Friday, then. Church wedding. Oh, of course, of course. I want everybody to come, everybody in town. You better say so in the paper. There won't be time to send out formal invitations. You're invited, too, of course, Quint. I'll try and make it. There won't be much of a honeymoon. I'm heading back for the double G first part of next week. Helen's going to stay here with her aunt. She, she's going to stay in Powder Creek? Well, for the time being, anyway. Don't sound like much of a marriage to me. Well, it's not the way we'd prefer it, but of course, you know, you can't always fix things up perfect, you have to take the better with the sweet, you know. Yeah, well, when I get married, I'll have a house for my wife and some money in the bank. There are more important things than houses and money. You never said so before. I never said I wanted a house of my own, did I? Well, no. But I couldn't ask you to move in with me and Pa, the way he's ailing all the time. That was just an excuse. If you loved me, you'd have asked. I did love you. You must have known I did. How was I to know? There's, there's no point in hashing it over now. Good night. Now, now, hold on, hold on, now. Hold on, Quint. Now, just, just, just a minute. Now, I, I want to get this thing straight now. I, I, I could hardly believe my ears just now. You, you said you were in love with Helen? I still am, if you want to know it. Quint. Well, I sure don't like the sound of this. I, uh, Helen's engaged to me. How I feel about her doesn't matter. It's how she feels that counts. Oh, but if you're in love with her, now how do I know she's not in love with you? It's pretty plain that she isn't. I don't know. I don't know. You know, being in love usually works both ways, you know. I don't know about this. Well, Helen, what about this now? Fred, you, you know I don't care anything about him one way or the other. Now, is that the truth? You talking the truth now? You, we're not starting our marriage on a lie now, are we? Well... Maybe I was fond of Quint once, but that was before... Well... You're all over it now. All over it. Are you sure? 
I'm promised to you. Yeah, yeah, but I, uh... I, I wouldn't hold you to that promise. As a matter of fact, I'd insist you break it if I thought there was somebody else. Well, that's mighty generous of you, Britt. But you don't need to worry. Of course, if our marriage didn't go through, I'd be kind of upset. Hurt, maybe. Oh, I wouldn't ever hurt you, Britt. Not for anything. Oh, I'd get over it, Al. I'd get over it. Man always does. At least I always have before. Sure. Oh, sure, sure. Lots of times. Oh, yeah. But you wrote me that I was the only girl you, you ever... Oh, oh, well, I... I to tell you the truth, I, I, what I meant was that uh, you were the only girl I'd ever been engaged to, you see. Oh. That's what I meant. <laughs> looks to me like the choice is up to you, Helen. Yes, yes, I... I think that's the way I see it, too. If you're smart, you'll choose Ponset. I sure haven't got anything to offer you. Just a small-town newspaper that wouldn't even give us a decent living. Oh, now, stop talking yourself down, Quint. Now, the Powder Creek Press, one of the finest weeklies in this part of the country. Now, you know that. Well, Britt, he's a six-shooter. Why, he's practically famous. All I am is a cowpoke. I'm just an old cowpoke. I don't even know whether I'm going to have a job from year to year. Just, just a, the same. Just I an old any cowpoke. girl in the territory would be pleased. Oh, be quiet, both of you. I think neither one of you wants me. I know who you are and what you are. And I know which one I'm... Which one I... Britt. Uh-huh. You're getting a fine man, Helen. Grant, I told you to be quiet. Britt. I'm sorry. I hope you won't think that I'm, I'm fickle or, or don't know my own mind. Well, you... You are the six-shooter. You don't really need a wife. Helen, you don't mean you're going to take me. And Quint... Well, he needs somebody to look after him. I've seen that house of his. Well, I'll bet the place hasn't had a good spring house cleaning for the last four years. But Quint's father, he's a nice old man. And with a woman to look after him, maybe he won't be so sickly all the time. Well... You still haven't said that you love Quint. What? I guess I've been in love with him ever since. You won't think too badly of me, Quint. No, no. No, I... It's kind of a blow, I guess. But like I said, it'll take a little while to get over it, and I'll... I'll manage somehow. I'll... Uh, I'll manage. there on the porch. I went inside to get my hat. Minnie was hovering by the front window. When she saw me, she shut it real quick and tried to appear innocent. Well, it looks like your scheme finally worked out, man. My scheme? Seems to me it was more yours than mine. Well, what, what are you talking about? You know very well that you're asking Quint over here tonight was what brought things to a head. Well, I, I just wanted to make certain he had all the facts about our wedding, that's all. Right, so the story in the paper would be accurate. Oh, that's sure, Bet, sure, I know. <sighs> Poor Quint. What? Well, I guess he deserves it after making her wait all this time. Well, what do you mean, Minnie? Well, I was just thinking... He's going to have to toe the line real close, and he's not going to win many family arguments, neither. Well, I don't see why not. Well, I'll tell you why not. Every time Helen has trouble with him, all she'll say is, don't forget I could have married the six-shooter, but I gave him up for you. And Quint will just have to sit there and take it, no matter how often she says it. Oh, now, man. Mm-hmm. 
Quint and Helen were married the following Sunday, I stayed over for the wedding. Matter of fact, I was best man. Both of them insisted on that. But I didn't enjoy the ceremony very much. I, uh, I kept thinking that, you know, th- that it could have been me standing there saying the I do's. And, gee whiz, I sure a close call. Stay tuned for Fibber McGee and Molly next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Fibber McGee and Molly. The radio show was run on a very tight schedule, considered to be one of the best organized broadcasts on the network. Jim Jordan insisted upon everyone affiliated with the program that they must take a two-day rest following the Tuesday broadcast. Nothing was done about the following Tuesday show until Friday morning when Jim and Marion Jordan got together with writer Don Quinn and agency producer Cecil Underwood to talk through the following week's script. They worked in a very business-like fashion in a business office because they were convinced a business-like and efficient atmosphere helped them get the work done in two hours. By Saturday morning, Quinn had the first draft of the script ready, which Fibber read, and then Quinn revised into the final working script. He did this on Sunday night, working all night and finishing Monday morning when the cast would gather at NBC's Hollywood Studios. They rehearsed for two hours. After this, Quinn made any final changes, and Tuesday morning, the entire cast, including Billy Mills' orchestra, would run through the script about four times ending with a complete run-through at 3 in the afternoon. And at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time, the show went on the air. This pattern of preparation never varied by more than an hour from week to week. Let's listen in to keeping all that in mind to Fibber Fixes the Radio. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Makers of Johnson Wax products for home and industry present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie, with music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. You know, it's not so long ago that Saturday was best known as bath day for the kids and baking day and floor scrubbing day for their mothers. But now you mothers are more fortunate on that floor business. Johnson's Glow Coat has moved that unpleasant chore back with the antiques. You'd never think of doing all that hard work again when with Glow Coat it's a cinch to have linoleum floors clean and sparkling all the time. Glow Coat saves work, first because it needs no rubbing or buffing. You simply apply and let dry. It saves work also because it's so easy to keep a glow-coated floor clean and beautiful. Spilled things are wiped up with a damp cloth in a jiffy. Besides saving you work, self-polishing glow-coat saves your linoleum, makes it last ever so much longer because it protects against dirt, wear, and moisture. And, of course, a beautiful floor protected with glow-coat makes your kitchen a more cheerful room to work in.
people at 79 Wistful Vista have been having a little trouble with their radio. All week it's been going... (laughs) This morning, however, Mr. McGee made a couple of minor adjustments, and now it goes... But never one to give up until something is either fixed or ruined. He's still in there fighting as we meet Fibber McGee and Molly. Sound any better now, Molly? (laughs) If I wasn't so fond of you, dearie, I'd say that every time you touch that thing, it sounds worse. Well, I think I've located the trouble. I think it's got a grid leak. Hmm. Shall I get a pan to put under it? (laughs) (laughs) I guess you don't know much about electricity, (laughs) Snooky. What I mean is AC is... uh, The AC is draining off into the DC. Now, let me see if I put this... What on earth are you doing? I'm just feeling around inside this radio. I think possibly the condenser is... No! No! (laughs) What are you dancing around for? I don't hear any music. (laughs) Got a shock. My gosh, I just absorbed enough juice to light the city of Akron. Hey, you got any rubber gloves? No, no, I haven't. I sent the only pair I had to Cousin Letty. Hmm. She's going to work on a farm this summer, you know. What does she need rubber gloves for to work on a farm? Well, she punches little holes in the ends of the fingers with a needle. Yeah? Fills the glove with warm water and practices milking. (laughs) It's going to be a little confusing when she finds out a cow only has four fingers. (laughs) I guess I don't need it anyway. Now, let's see. Where's my fire? In your left hand. Well, what did I do with my left hand? Oh, okay. Now, let's see. If I tighten this little dingus here. Oh, I'll bet that did it. Now, listen. And as Mr. Stalin says to the Alta Conference... My, my. Isn't Russian an interesting language? <laughs> I think maybe i better take the whole radio apart. Oh, dear. Unplug the plug out of the wall plug, will you? <laughs> Thanks. Ah, now to work. Ah, here we go, laughing scratching. I still think we ought to call a radio repairman, McGee. No, nah, no, nah, it'll take too long. There's an opera singer on tonight that I don't want to miss. Gloria Pizzicato. On that Gilly Garden Hose program. <laughs> Why, she can't sing. Hmm? She's only on that program because her husband is Mr. Gilly. And she only married him because he manufactured hose. She not knowing it was garden hose. <laughs> She's positively the worst. Oh, hello, Alice. Hello, Mrs. McGee. Hello, Mr. McGee. Something wrong with the radio? Yeah, tubes burned out or something, Alice. Oh. Tuned in the Andrews sisters last night and could only get two of them. Oh. <laughs> uh, plug it in and let me hear it, Mr. McGee. Okay. I'll see if we can get that program Molly likes. Joyce Jensen, girl gopher hunter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the one. And as we leave Joyce Jensen, girl gopher hunter... That's it. ...trapped in the blazing reptile house at the zoo, where she has been lured by Ben Baxter, who is secretly trying to break the will of the dying Mortimer Fitzgerald, because he is secretly infatuated with Tracy Lammermore, whose father has been missing since the blueprints of the new battleship was stolen by Siegfried Schoenfeld, and that's his who is secretly in love with Alice Greekfeather, who has been Baxter's secret mother. <laughs> We wonder how it will all come out. Tune in all day tomorrow and let your housework go straight to...
like your condenser was shot, Mr. McGee. <laughs> Sounded more like the announcer was, Alice. <laughs> and none too soon, Edie. One of these days, John's other wife is going to fall secretly in love with one of the quiz kids, and Clem McCarthy will get so excited he'll bite H.B. Kaltenborn in the ankle. <laughs> well, I'll just check this radio all over, well, I guess. If I can help you any, Mr. McGee, I have my toolkit upstairs, and I'll be glad to run no, up... No, 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 thanks, kid. <laughs> I'll make out okay. This is man's work. Mm-hmm. I used to build radios, you know, back in Peoria. Indeed, he did, Alice. Betcha. Many's the oatmeal box I've held while he wrapped wire around it, and then held again while he unwrapped the wire and got his thumb out of it. <laughs> I built the first GA set in Peoria, Alice. What's a GA set? Get anything. <laughs> had 12 dials on that baby. Took up the whole mantle. <laughs> My father used to be a great radio fan in the early days. He'd sit there night after night with those headphones glued to his ears. Mm-hmm. Mother finally had to do something about it. What'd she do, Alice? She had to spank my little brother and hide the glue. <laughs> well, this isn't getting the radio fixed, girls. One side, please, while I make a mug out of Marconi. Uh, I'll be glad to help you, Mr. McGee, if you want me to. I'm very happy. No, 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 no. Thanks, anyway. This is no job for a bent hairpin, kid. Well, all right. Just call me if there's anything I can do. Yeah. <laughs> Call her if there's anything she can do. I never saw a woman yet that didn't think a shingle nail was something to scratch herself with when you had the shingles. Oh. Now, let me see. Where's my tire tape? Uh, well, I think I saw it. Oh, I know. It's right here in the hall. Closet. <laughs> well, one of these days, i got to straighten out that closet. Herman. 
Always kept scratching because he was full of energy. Ah, <laughs> oh, let me see. Where's my tack hammer? Oh, here. Oh, I bought some little rabbits from a guy named Myers. They couldn't do long division, but they're great multipliers, please, Molly. There you are. Thanks. Are you getting any place, dearie? Well, I think I know where the trouble is. You see this tube? Hold it up to the light. That's it. What do you see? A lot of little fine wires. Exactly. And naked as a boiled potato. No insulation on them. <laughs> Pretty shoddy workmanship, if you ask me. Well, uh, how do you get the little wires out of the tube to wrap them with the insulation? Break the glass. <laughs> yes, but maybe... And if them little wires were properly insulated, they don't need any glass around them, see? <laughs> Another thing is, here, you got to have these things... Hello, folks. Oh, hello, Mr. Wilcox. Hi, Junior. Fixing the radio? Now, there is an intelligent question. <laughs> got my hands full of tools and the radio scattered all over the joint, and he asked me, am I fixing the radio? No, Junie, I'm up on the roof, measuring the chimney for some new soot. <laughs> Don't be sarcastic, McGee. It was a natural thing to ask. Just, uh, what was wrong with the radio, pal? Can't say exactly, Junior. All I know is I don't get what I tune in for. Well, some program you particularly want? Yes, he wants to hear that opera singer, Gloria Pizzicato, over WVIS. Gloria Pizzicato? Yeah. That babe couldn't hit high C with a bazooka. I used to have a Model T Ford with a worn brake drum that could sing better than she can. <laughs> now, look here, Junior. Don't tell me who to listen to and who not to listen to and who to. Besides, I've heard you sing. <laughs> and your lower register ain't fit to dry a pair of overshoes on. <laughs> you got the rhythm of a spavined horse in a cobblestone alley and a tonal delicacy of a dentist drill. You must have trained with a busted windshield wiper for a metronome, accompanied by a sweet potato that was left too long in a damp basement. <laughs> oh, I could say more, but I don't want to hurt your feelings. Thanks. I guess McGee didn't know you used to sing in Chautauqua, Mr. Wilcox. Didn't you, pal? Sure. Tink's mules used to be in vaudeville, too. <laughs> but they took their last bow in a glue factory. <laughs> So if I want to listen to Gloria Pizzicato tonight, I'm going to listen to Gloria Pizzicato tonight. Catch on. Well, they're your eardrums, chum. Suit yourself. Say, uh, I know where you can get that fixed in no time. Where, Mr. Wilcox? My cousin's a radio repairman. Hmm? Big Freddy Wilcox. At 14th and Oak. Oh, my God. Say, incidentally, you know what Freddy told me about a radio? What'd he tell you, son? A very interesting thing. Parlor trick, sort of. Uh -huh. He says, if you turn your radio on, and while it warms up, you talk into the speaker and turn it off. It will play your own voice back to you when you turn it on again. Well, heavenly days, I never heard that before. Here, let's try it. Turn it on. Okay. Now, I'll talk into it fast, shut it off, and turn it back on again and hear my own voice repeat what I said. Isn't this fun? No. Well, go ahead, Junior. Talk to it. Okay. <clears throat> this is Harlow Wilcox speaking. Big Harlow Wilcox. Oh, oh, yes. This is Big Harlow Wilcox speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax. Closer into the speaker, Harlow. All right. I am just reminding you again that Johnson's Wax is the finest protection money can buy for your floors, furniture, woodwork, picture frames, leather goods, and a hundred other things you want to guard from dust and dampness, scratching and smudging. Better cut it short, Mr. Wilcox. This is a very dumb radio and won't remember very much of what you said. <laughs> remember, Johnson's Wax, when you want to protect your fine possessions against dryness and dampness, wear and tear, use and abuse. Now, shut it off. Quick, pal. Now, on again. Huh? I don't hear a thing. Well, I'll be darned. What do you know about that? I don't know anything, Waxy. <laughs> but I suspect a plenty. 
I got a sneaking suspicion that I you just... I told Freddy I didn't think it would work, but he kept insisting and insisting. Mm. I'm going down and tell him right now. See you later, folks. And I never caught on. I never caught on. After all these years, I never caught on. Well, now, look, dearie, if you intend to hear Gloria Pizzicato on that radio tonight, you'd better start getting the real snook wired back into the audio hoosis or something. Oh, my gosh, I guess I better have it there. Hey, I just got an idea what might be wrong with this thing. What's that? Uh, this wire here is marked ground. You see? Yeah. Well, all the time we've had it fastened to the radiator. <laughs> that radiator is eight feet off of the ground if it's an inch. No wonder the darn Well, thing you do it your own way, sweetheart. But I hope you get the radio fixed before Roosevelt's next inauguration. Hmm? I haven't missed one since I was a child. <laughs> well, I've got to go out in the kitchen and see how Beulah's coming along with the dinner. Okay. Ah, there goes a good kid. She knows when it comes to repairing a radio, I don't know an aerial from a real set. But does she say anything? No, sir. <laughs> But does she think things? <laughs> Brother, you got no one? Come in. Hi, mister. Oh, hello there, Teeny. <laughs> Rest your rompers on the rug there and watch Uncle Fibber set the radio industry back 15 or 20 years. What you doing, mister? What you doing? Watch it. To the world at large, sis, I'm fixing the radio. But strictly between us kids, I wish I knew. <laughs> <laughs> I love to listen to the radio, I bet you. I like being crossy. He, he sent me. Well, I wish he was here now. I'd ask him to do it. <laughs> See, if I move the octostat near the flanellium here, it ought to make the variations more sanitized. See, I wish I was smart enough to take a radio all apart. You, eh? Hmm? I says you do, eh? Do what? You wish you were smart enough to take a radio apart. I know it. And, and if I was that smart, I'd be too smart to do it, I bet you. <laughs> Oh, yeah? Well, if you're so smart... What makes the radio work, mister? What does? Hmm. Will you explain it to me, mister? Will you, please? Hmm? Why, Teeny, do you mean to sit there with your little pigtails on the wrong end of the little pig? <laughs> and tell me you don't comprehend the nature of the wireless? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Close your mouth and open your eyes, and I'll tell you something to make you eyes. Now then, what happens when you turn on your radio? It makes a kind of a little click, and then the little light turns on. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And way out in the ether, Mother Nature hears that little click. Oh. And quick's a flash, she calls in all her little kills and megs and says, Radio turned on a 14th note. Whistle this way. And all the little ki kills hop onto their killer cycle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and all the little megs hop onto their megacycles. And they race away as fast as their little fat wavelengths will carry them. Um, you know what a wavelength is, sis? Sure I do, I betcha. Five feet two. I figure that. My sister is a wave and that's her length. <laughs> well, sir, all them little kills and megs ride along on their kilocycles and megacycles till they see that little light that shines in your radio. Oh. Yes, sir, and then they hop off and into the back of the radio. That's why they always leave the back part of a radio open. <laughs> and quick to wink, they decide who's going to be music, who's going to be dialogue, and who's going to be announcers. And if any little Meg or little Kill has got a bad cold, they let him be the static. <laughs> well, sir, then you hear the music, and the dialogue, and the commercial. 
which is when everybody turns the radio down and rushes out into the kitchen for a bottle of root beer before the music comes on again. <laughs> Boy, that was a wonderful story, mister. <laughs> I thought so. Gee, poor Mr. Marconi. What do you mean, poor Mr. Marconi? To think he spent his whole life laboring under the delusion that radio was based upon the utilization of electromagnetic waves, converted into electrical impulses known as audio frequency currents and amplified by means of the vacuum tube to a diaphragm or loudspeaker. Gee, if he had only known. Ha, oh, oh, poor Mr. Marconi. <laughs> The King's Men singing Leave the Dishes in the Sink, Ma. Mailman! Paul started running when he heard the whistle blow. The postman brought a letter, an airmail from our Joe. It says he'll soon be home again from far across the blue. And Paul took off his apron and hollered out, Yee-hoo! Leave the dishes in the sink, Ma. Leave the dishes in the sink. Every place will have to wait Tonight we're gonna celebrate Leave the dishes in the sink Pa started jigging And he cried, Ma, shake a leg I'm going to the cellar There's cider in the cake Bologna's in the icebox And there's cheese and pickles, too We're calling all the neighbors Tonight's our night Yee-hoo! Leave the dishes in the sink Ma, I'm a terrific KP. Oh, leave the dishes in the sink. Joe, leave the dishes in the sink. We'll break them to commemorate the day. Oh, really never liked them anyway. So leave the pieces of the dishes in the sink. to turn your back on him. <laughs> hey, Molly, where's my pliers? In the cup of your pants, dearie. Oh, yeah. I put them there so I know where they were. Oh. I got to cut a hunk of this wire off. Is there a knife there? Well, I don't see any. Ask Gula to bring me a small uh, kitchen knife, will you? Certainly. Why leave it out in the kitchen where it'll just get ruined peeling potatoes and apples? Yeah. Oh, Beulah! Beulah! Somebody ball for Beulah? <laughs> Hey, Beulah, bring me a small knife, will you? I gotta slice some wire. Is there something go bluey with the radio focus? Yes, Beulah, and Mr. McGee wants to get it fixed in time to hear Gloria Pizzicato tonight. Gloria Pizzicato? Mm-hmm. Oh, 
Man, that gal... That gal got a voice like making a bed with broken fingernails. When she's singing, make the hair stand up on a scrub brush. We won't discuss my musical taste, Beulah. No, sir. Excuse me, sir. Well, it's a good thing we won't, dearie. I happen to know that your idea of fine music is hearing the curse of an aching heart played on a musical saw. Oh, yeah. Well, I like imitations of a locomotive played on a banjo, too. <laughs> and believe me, that ain't easy. You mean it ain't easy to like it? I mean it ain't easy to play it. Oh. Uh, you said you played the piano, didn't you, Beulah? Yes, ma'am, but not so much anymore. Housework and the hot chai ain't strictly compatible. <laughs> Music is like chicken pockets. Oh, you gotta keep your head in or you don't get no place. <laughs> You can say that again. Yeah, the music is like picking pockets. Got no, 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 Beulah. <laughs> he, uh, he means you're right. Oh, thank you, sir. And you wishes me to bring you out a little parent knife? Yes, if you'll be so good as to. <laughs> when I get through with this radio, Beulah, it'll tune so fine you can hear Mr. District Attorney filing a brief. Yeah, Mr. <laughs> District Attorney filing a brief. What is the mail <laughs> <laughs> Look, dearie, I won't mention it again after this, but uh, why don't you just toss all those parts into a pillowcase and haul them down to a radio repairman? No, sir, I can handle this with... Just a knife, sir. Thank you, Beulah. Ah, now I can get someplace. Let's see. Oh, my gosh. When were these things sharpened last? I'd hate to be trapped in a cobweb with only these knives on me. Well, I'm glad you noticed that, Pet. You've been promising to sharpen those knives ever since we... Come in. Hello, Molly, my dear. Oh, come in, Dr. Gamble. Hi, Doc. Hello, my boy. Well, what are you up to now? My clavicle in this radio. <laughs> Pull up a chair and I'll show you a few of the finer points of radiotronics, Gamble. Finer points of what? Radiotronics. Spell it. Skip it. <laughs> the radio has been acting up, Doctor I wanted to send it to a repairman But himself here thought it was a waste of money so... Oh, it is, my dear It is a waste of money Sure Unless, of course, you plan to use the set again sometime <laughs> I suppose you're throwing this one away When a little fumble foot gets through playing with it What do you mean, throw it away? Stick around, wise guy, and I'll show you how Hey, you got your satchel there? Let me uh -huh. have a scalpel in, will you? Why, certainly <laughs> Hey, well, I'm a boy. Yeah. Although if you're planning on cutting your throat in despair, let me do it. I'm a doctor, you know. We learn how to do those things neatly. And besides, if you... Hey, what are you doing with that? Give me that scalpel. Okay, okay. Take it, Indian giver. I was just trimming those wires down to fit. My best scalpel. Of all the unmitigated, colossal... My $12 scalpel. Well, that's what you get for lending your stuff around promiscuously, you big stoop. You're not supposed to lend your surgical tools to a guy who's not a doctor anyhow. You know how septic people are. You could get in trouble with the AMA for that. Why, of all the... I ought to... Oh, all right, I asked for it. Anybody who lends you anything without keeping one hand on it ought to have it ruined. That's what... Huh? To what? Oh, oh, plug it in over there, Doc. Okay. Now get a load of how a radio ought to sound after a good overhaul. Get a load of this reception. Very good. That's the same kind of reception he gets when he walks into the Elks Club, Molly. Oh, take it easy, you old buckethead. My guys, I just got to... Say, Mr. McGee. Oh, hello, Dr. Gamble. Oh, uh, say, Mr. McGee, maybe I could help a little with that radio if you want don't me to. Don't worry about it, Alice. We can get a repairman. Oh, I don't me. mind, Mrs. McGee. I just thought maybe I could help. 
Sounded to me a little while ago like the condenser is improperly wired. Maybe it's crossed with a transformer. Condenser? You're thinking of an icebox, Alice. This is a radio. Oh, you're thinking of a compressor on an icebox, Mr. McGee. I said the condenser. Yeah, but I don't think... Why don't you let her look at it, you noisy little feedback? She at least knows more than you do about it. Which would be nothing at all. Okay, then. Go right ahead, Alice. You two know all about radios. Go ahead. Fix it up. I'm through. Well, jeepers, I don't want to... I mean... Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll just sit over here. Well, I'm, I'm sure it won't take but a minute. I work on radio sets all day long at the airplane plant. Mm-hmm. Mm, I think you've got the condenser hooked into series with the amplifier tube. Huh? Uh, what, what that does is build up a charge in the resistor tubes and screwdriver, please. Huh? Oh, oh thank you. And, and when it attains sufficient ohmage, it develops a squeal. So I'm I'm changing the wiring so that the grids alternate with the resistors, and so the condenser can function properly. And ah, there we are. Now try it. Clear as a bell. Chuck, she only did what I was starting to do. <laughs> only she's got smaller hands. She can reach in farther. Oh, hey, it's time. Get Gloria Pizzicato. It's time for her to be on. W-B-I-S, Alice. Oh, all right. Here. Pizzicato with her first number this evening, Why Do I Love You? Ah, just got it in time. the idea, McGee? I thought you wanted to hear Gloria Pizzicato. Of course I did. If I didn't hear her, how would I know when to shut her off? <laughs> I hate that woman. I shut her off every night. Thanks very much, Alice. Don't mention it, ever. had left over, McGee. Throw them out and be thankful we haven't got a television set. Why? Imagine getting that put back together and having three faces, two bodies, and a piccolo left over. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> Good night. Good night, all. This is Otto Wilcox speaking for the makers of Johnson Wax Finishes for Home and Industry, inviting you all to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, we'll wrap up the week with Escape, followed by Burns and Allen. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.